This is episode 198, Monday, September 12th, 2011. Welcome to Countless Screaming Argonauts. I'm T-Fab-P, the Fabulous Penguin. And I'm Cranberry Bog Max. Uh, it's good to have you back in the bog. <laughs> That's where I am and where I belong, back in yeah. the bog. But, but it's always good because I love when you have bog and we talk politics, and that's going to be this, the opening topic of the show. All right. All right. Now, this, this is not from the Internet. This is it's not something that I uh, ran across or whatever, just something I, I formed my own opinion about. So here's the question. Sure. Uh, several weeks ago, Governor Perry jumped into the race. And it affected spectacularly three people's polling ratings. Right. Mitt Romney was down about 50%. I was going to say a gallon. Yeah. Um, Ron Paul is up about 50%. From what he was at. Right. Okay. And Michelle Bachman is down about 80%. Yes. So my question is, why did those guys all drop when he jumped into the race? And why did Ron Paul, Paul go up? Go up. Interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's the uh, religious conservatives. Okay. Um, they, they left Michelle Bachman, who has been right or wrong – uh, widely regarded by the media as flaky, but who was speaking to their values. This is why right. I knew Rick Perry would be successful. Right. Uh, Michelle Bachman was also widely regarded by you as batshit crazy. <laughs> it's true. Right. Um, but a lot of people felt that she was addressing their conservative Christian values. Right. But, but Michelle Bachman does that too. So do you think this is a male-female thing, that that group of conservative religious voters, when push comes to shove, would rather vote for a man than a woman? No, I don't think so at all. You don't think so? No, okay. No, and I heard I heard an analysis similar to this on the radio yesterday. Um, do you remember in '04 the Democrats put up, uh, John Kerry, mm-hmm. and the thinking of myself as a perhaps typical liberal was we're getting killed on the defense issues. We're going to put up a guy with bona fide security credentials, a genuine hero. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Karl Rove attacked him at his strength and, right. and ripped him down with the swift boat debacle. Sure, absolutely. Right. I think that the conservatives saw Michelle Bachman as someone who they really liked, but Rick Perry is someone who was stronger. Okay. And they really liked. All right. So all right, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I I think that some of it may be sexism, but that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is why did it affect Mitt Romney so strongly? Well. Because there's a certain percentage of the population who feels that you have to support the leader. And 
I think it's about followers in the case of Mitt Romney. I, I think there mm-hmm. were. I, I think his support was always soft, and I believe that since the typical Republican is a religious conservative nowadays, I don't think that that was true in the Jacob Javits, Nelson Rockefeller, New York days of the Republican Party. Okay. Uh, but now the, there's so much emphasis on religion among Republicans that the people who were supporting Mitt Romney because they wanted a winner can wipe their brow and say, I couldn't vote for a Mormon. I really am glad we have a real religious person in there. Okay, well, that, that's where I was headed with this, that question. My question about that was two things. One is, do you think that some of it might be that People look at Mitt Romney as an elitist, and people look at Governor Perry as a good old homeboy. Yeah, I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay, the second part of that question is, do you think it's Mormonism versus Christianity? That's exactly my, my okay. feeling. Yeah. I think that's very strong. And the interesting thing is, religion after Jack Kennedy was not that big a deal. Uh, of course, Mo Udall, who, who made a strong run in like 1976 uh, was was a Mormon but nobody cared but he was also a Democrat right and I think that there's I I think Mitt Romney's going to have huge problems in South Carolina that's going to be the the, but I also think I also think that in 1976 we didn't approach elections in the same manner. Absolutely. I, I, think there's, I think a lot of people know that Romney is a Mormon. Right. I don't think a lot of people know that knew that Mo Udall was. Right. It was, it was important. Not... The evil Lee. genius, Carl Rove. Well, actually, it was the teacher of the evil genius. It was Lee Atwater. Okay. And it was Ronald Reagan. And, and Atwater said, let's go get these people. These are our base, and the religious conservatives stayed out of politics in droves. And I don't know if you've seen the clips. I don't remember it, but I've seen the clip a a million times. Reagan making a speech to some religious group saying, I know you can't support me, but I support you. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. And the gloves were off. And I think, and and irrespective of of right and wrong, I think that if if the Democrats – Gave up the abortion issue, then the religious people would go back to being the compassionate people, and religious people in the past always voted Democrat because Democrats were the party of the poor, and and that block, that solid solid block of religious anti-abortion people, could now be usurped again by the Democrats as compassionate for the poor people. Okay. So now this leads me to the third part, which is why did Ron Paul go way up at Ah, the same time? That's the $64,000 question. I really don't have a guess right now for that. I don't know. Let me give you a guess. All right. Okay. All right. If you were a Michelle Bachman supporter, but you really think that maybe she's on the fringe. Mm Mm-hmm. And Perry jumps in the race. You jump from her to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you were a Mitt Romney supporter, 
and Mitt Romney is falling by the wayside, you are now beginning to realize that he is, Perry, is going to be the nominee for the GOP. Right. And that scares you. And so what are your options? Stick with a loser or open up the possibility of there being a three-horse race. Obama, Perry, and some other candidate. And that other candidate could be Ron Paul. He's different enough from... He's different enough from Perry in that if people are scared off, people in urban areas are going to be scared off by Perry. He's that good old country boy. I mean, he's in favor of of the death penalty. He thinks that uh, Social Security is a a Ponzi scheme. He, you know, he he yells and screams that they want to secede, and then he takes all the money from the government. Uh, He broasts that uh, that he got all these jobs for Texas, and you find out that Almost 85% of them or something are minimum wage jobs. Yeah. And so you're stuck. Right. You can't vote for Obama. You want to vote for a Republican candidate. You're stuck. Who do you vote for? All right. Let let me frame it slightly differently or a a complementary framing to it. I think you're on something. Um, There is in the Republican Party a group of genuine intellectuals. Mm-hmm. And and some of them are genuine libertarians. And while I have big problems with libertarianism in its truest form, which I think Ron Paul comes the closest to, uh, a lot of Republicans really feel that we need plain old small government. And they're sickened by Rick Perry and his – worse than George Bush mentality, and they can't deal with Michelle Bachman. So the the genuinely small government, intellectual, non-religious uh, conservatives fly to the person who intellectually satisfies their values. Mm-hmm. Sort of, uh, I'm agreeing with you, but... Right. but you know, framing it out as a as a a libertarian argument, you know, kind of affirmatively, I think uh, I think you might be onto something, though. Okay, but then the, the follow up question to that is: Is there a possible way that a third party could win? Could win. Uh, there is one third party candidate who has a minuscule shot, and that is the Republican mayor of New York City. Uh huh. He speaks to the left. He is tough on law. He he's a genuine intellectual, a, a genuine self-made billionaire. At least I think he is. He's certainly wealthy and runs his own business. Mm-hmm. Um. He's he he's well suited for the left jumping to him and he has the the business chops he also has government chops in running New York City which while it's a step from being a statehood is a big place with a, a real defense issue of its own mm-hmm. 
uh, and he's got a billion dollars. Right. And and liberals will will vote for him. Hmm. Interesting. He's a Republican mayor of New York for three terms in a city that's ruled by two-term term limits. Right, but he's not. Uh, he hasn't said anything about wanting to run or planning to run or. No, but if you watch Morning Joe, Joe nudges him every once in a while, and Mr. Bloomberg never says no. Right. Plus, I think he's Jewish. Uh huh. And I think that brings with it certain advantages and certain disadvantages, like being black brought certain advantages and disadvantages to Mr. Obama. I, I think Bloomberg could win with a lot of party crossing. And in the three-way race, <clears throat> what do you do? I don't, I don't actually know the law there because the government says you got – the Constitution says you have to have X number of, uh, of electoral votes, right? Right. Well, that was – the reason I brought this up is because um – Matthew Dowd wrote an article in The Atlantic uh, a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, and basically he said that he doesn't think – I don't think he thinks that a third-party candidate can win. But he thought that a third-party candidate could make a big wave in the election for a couple of different reasons or a couple of different ways. The first way was that he doesn't win any electoral votes at all. He doesn't win any states. Yeah. But he gathers enough votes in some swing states to either push them towards Perry or push them towards Obama. Right. That would be one way. The second way is that he gets – he wins a few states right, or a couple of states, and it's enough to keep – because the other ones – the other guys are so evenly matched, it's enough to keep both of them – from getting the required 270. Right. And so obviously he would have a big effect in that race. Now, right. remember, I'm trying to think back, rec- not recently, and I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. The guy with the ears, he ran as a third-party candidate, had a real Ross shrill voice, Perot. Ross Perot. Okay, now he was real, real popular. Right, and he got and he ended up elected. And he got what, 6% of the vote maybe? Uh, might have been more than that. might have been double figures. Wow, okay. And he got Bill Clinton elected. Right. And you know what else? Most importantly, Ralph Nader got George Bush elected in right. 2000. Right. Yeah, that I remember that. I remember. So, yeah, a third-party candidate has a huge effect. That's a big, big deal. All right. Well, that's interesting. It certainly opens up some interesting possibilities for the coming uh, for the coming weeks, huh? Well, and, and here's another thing to throw at you. I think I know how, how they decide that. If I remember the Constitution correctly, and I may not, it goes to the Senate. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. And, of course, the third of the Senate will be elected this time. Mm-hmm. But right now, it has there's a slim Democratic majority. Right. And however that pushes, it's probably going to be if one or two or maybe even a few more Republicans in the Senate. That would be a holy mess. Okay, according to this article, it says the election would be then thrown to the House of Representatives. Oh, I beg your pardon. Okay, which likely elects the Republican candidate because each state is given one vote. Right. 
and the congressional delegate from each staff gets to decide, each state gets to decide how it's cast. So Alaska has the same voting power as California. Right, the Great Compromise. Right. And so right now they hold a majority in 33 dele- th- 33 state delegations are Republican. Republican. And that doesn't feel like it's going to be overturned, although we really should throw all of those Tea Party people out for being idiots. <laughs> well, enough about politics, Max. That was interesting. I, it was. You're right. It was interesting. I, I thought it was a good question. I oh, thought yeah. it was I, I think it hit on on, you know, it hit where we're at right now in the political process with the debates and stuff. Yeah, you know, I, you know, the people you, are people are falling by the wayside. The thing to watch. There's two things to watch. One is the South Carolina primary and Mitt Romney, and the other is the Florida primary and Rick Perry. Mm-hmm. Because there's old people in Florida and there's Christians in South Carolina, and they're each going against their their opposite base in those places. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So listen, I was uh, perusing the internet this week, uh-huh. and I found a couple of really interesting, really interesting things that just you know, just to kind of throw out there and let you know that uh, you know that I've been reading. All right. I, <laughs> okay. I know, I know you read. I've believed you literate for years. Okay. So the first interesting article that I came across, also from the Atlantic, is about the feasibility of towing icebergs in order to bring fresh water to countries that need it and that there have been many failures. Yeah, this doesn't sound like new to me. But there have been some successes. As early as the mid-1800s, they actually towed icebergs from southern Chile up the uh, up the coast of South America to other places. Wow! For fresh water, which I thought was pretty interesting. In, in the what years? That was in the mid 1800s. Wow! Can you imagine doing that with wind? Right. I know. I know. Um, in the 1960s, oil companies actually developed uh, towing technology because they needed to keep the icebergs away from the um, their oil rigs in the Labrador Sea. Interesting. I, I have I have developed towing technology also. Mm-hmm. I go to the hardware store and buy rope. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I know it's been tried. My question to you is, is it a good idea? Suppose that we, we could bring fresh water to all of Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. And we drag all the icebergs out of the North Atlantic. Did we do good? Well, I don't know that you'd have to tow all the icebergs out of the Atlantic. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, they are pretty big. Yeah. And, you know. Um, I just keep thinking about that water cycle uh, science article that talks about – not not the the typical water cycle we learned about in grammar school, right? But the heating and cooling of the Atlantic Ocean and how it generates uh, the Gulf Stream and how that moderates the weather in both the North and the South Atlantic. Sure, sure, absolutely. But also the EPA, as as late as 2007, 
said that they would think that an experiment of towing icebergs into warmer water would be an interesting look at how ice how glaciers will respond to Heat. increasing temperatures. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. can tell you how glaciers will respond. Yeah, they melt. <laughs> it doesn't take a genius. No, it doesn't. All right, on to the next one. This is another interesting one I, this I found. I read this column uh, blog called Oh My God Facts, OMG Facts. Right. And they have some really interesting ones. And this one was this one was a, a, a great one. Okay, geneticists have found that 8% of the people, 8% of the men that live in a large chunk of Asia all have an identical Y chromosome. Okay. 16 million men, approximate, that's their approximate guess to how many. 16 million men have that same chromosome, and that chromosome links them directly to Genghis Khan. He fucked a lot. I'm sure he did. I'm sure that he did, being the ruthless rapist. <laughs> Rapist that he Butcher, was, conqueror, yes. But it's 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 and it's also. I mean, we're talking about that was the 13th century, so now you're talking about, you know, seven, eight hundred years later, right? And, and and you know what that tells us about genetics is that how quickly those things spread too. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I can think of just too many. Bad to <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that. No, I'm not gonna say that. No, uh, what is interesting on that same vein is mitochondrial Eve, that that uh-huh. all, all of us have the same mitochondrial right. DNA. Yeah, I, I mean, it, science is amazing. Don't we like science? I I think so. I do. I think so. <laughs> what else you got? Okay, this is news of the weird sort of. All right. Okay, this was from from Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix man accidentally blew his dick off <laughs> when he tucked his girlfriend's pistol into the waistband of his pants. <laughs> I think I heard this, yeah. Yeah? Yep. Yeah, it's just like last week I think we had somebody who shot one of his balls off by doing the same thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, it takes all kinds. That's I was, all I'm saying. I was talking to our friends down in Binghamton just yesterday – and we were talking about Plaxico Burris, of course. And mm-hmm. I said, anyone with testes has an innate aversion to pointing a gun at their balls. I don't understand why. You see it all the time on TV, these guys sticking guns down their pants. Right. <laughs> and that's probably why they do it. That's probably why they do it. They've seen it on TV. They don't even give it a second thought. Really? It's. Would, I mean, don't you feel like that's not... Something I want to point a gun. Hey, I don't want to put anything down there if I can help it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. No. Yeah. Um. So, uh, did they save it? This man. Uh, it doesn't sound like it did. It sounds like the bullet went right through it. Well, they, they can do amazing things with surgery now. I mean, yeah. they they put uh, John Wayne Bobbitt back together. Right. But I think you know I think there's a difference between cutting it off. And blowing it off. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that again, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, William Marston, the creator of the lie detector, was also the brains behind comic superhero Wonder Woman. 
Hmm. That's a really weird one, huh? Yeah. Not not something that you'd put together. No. No, I wouldn't at all. Not like a, what was the thing from last week? A Barker device? Oh, no, the uh, Brad, Braddock. Braddock. Braddock device? Yeah. yeah. I love that. That was a great story. Yeah. Uh, you might know that basketball was invented in 1891 in Massachusetts in a YMCA. Four years later, however, another popular sport got its start in a neighboring Massachusetts YMCA. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Volleyball. You know, I kind of did know that. Yeah. I did know that, yeah. Sounds familiar when you hear it. Yep. Did you know that... Pepsi-Cola is an anagram for Episcopal, which some people believe the drink is named after. No, I didn't know that. But then it says, this is from mentalfloss.com, Britney Spears is an anagram for Presbyterians. (laughs) (laughs) So we're inclined to discount this theory. Yeah, I would think so, right? Yeah. I don't know, maybe she's a Presbyterian. You know, you you could be a sinner and then come back. Sure, sure. Do you know what a group of jellyfish is called? Uh, a schmear. <laughs> <laughs> Very close. A smack. A smack of jellyfish. Okay. A smack of jellyfish. And, and last but not least, Iron Eyes Cody, the crying Indian in the famous anti-pollution TV commercial. Oh, sure. I remember him. Well, at this point, I should, for the younger listeners, explain that in the 1960s, it was very common for Americans to throw their garbage out the windows of their car. And there was a, a governmental effort to get us to clean up the roadways. And, and a most famous TV commercial was broadcast in those days with an American Indian looking out over a highway as somebody drives by and throws a bag of McDonald's or whatever uh, wrappers mm-hmm. out of their window and it falls at his feet and he turns to the camera and there's a tear in his eye. Right. Well, apparently his name was Iron Eyes Cody and he's known as the crying Indian from that commercial and uh-huh. actually an Italian-American named Oscar DiCordi. Wow, now that's interesting. I didn't know that. Little known and unimportant facts. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I got one for you. All right. According to... Level 3 Communications, ah, yes. which maintains 84,000 miles of fiber networking, yeah. squirrels do 17% of the damage to their optic fiber optic network. Wow. That's a lot of damage. You know, I hate squirrels. I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> I didn't know that you hate squirrels. I do. I hate squirrels. Ever since they started eating my house. Uh-huh. <laughs> they eat a lot. They eat a lot. <laughs> They chew on everything, and they make holes, and they get in things, and they're destructive. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're just giant rats, and I hate them. That's all I'm saying. That's all you're saying. <laughs> well, I think on that note, we should say that this is all we're saying tonight. That's all we got. So hey. listen, you hang in there, Max. Right, I hope you are not. I hope you were not displaced by the flood. I was not. His brother was. We were talking about Arab Americans last weekend. Mm-hmm. And he's one, and uh, I went there yesterday, and we had Yebra, uh, and I'm telling you, all of you steak and potatoes people, you want to check out some Yebra someday. Go to a, a Lebanese restaurant and get yourself some Yebra. 
Try a, try a different side of your tongue for the flavor palette. Huh. Interesting. All right. Well, listen, on that note, I'm going to go get me some Yebra. There you go. <laughs> Good night, Max. Yeah. Hi, this is Miss Nicole of 8 Beer Sampler Productions. You've been listening to Max and T-Fab Pete, the fabulous penguin of Countless Screaming Argonauts, the podcast of record. Listen to their podcast adventures at csapodcast.blogspot.com or download it free from the iTunes Podcast Store. Just search Countless Screaming Argonauts. The boys love to hear from you, so email them at csapodcast at gmail.com. Finally, if you want to show your allegiance to the show, pick up some CSA swag and help make the boys famous. You can purchase hats, shirts, and mugs along with other appropriate gear at Cafe Press. Click the link on their webpage. And thanks for listening.